<laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> uh, hello? Uh, reporting from the beach with a Miller Light in hand. <laughs> like a couple of Republicans. Alright, mm. um, what's your name? Gross, we actually are. <laughs> I know, we're surrounded by them, so we might as well adapt. Okay, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you should know by now. Maybe our voices sound similar. I don't know. They do. I was, li- I was When I li- was like editing one part, it took a second for me to be like, that's me or that's you. Oh. Because I was like trying freaky. to find my part when I was editing. And Damn. Yeah, I think we sound pretty similar. All white brunette women sound the same. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> can you like bring some of your South Philly accent back so that people hey, can I'm Orange. I'll try to. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm from Florida, which isn't technically the South, but I can add a little. Can you southern, do like a, a little Southern twang? Oh no! <laughs> that sounds like you're from like Georgia or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hello, I'm Audrey, and I'm Sarah. You can't tell the difference between our voices, but we're two different people. And <laughs> this is Mrs. and Mistresses, the podcast where we where we talk about infamous men of history and the badass women in their lives. Yeah. All right. So, I'm very excited about today's episode because really bringing my Philly pride into this one. Yeah, I learned true. about Ben Franklin many should times we, in my life. Should we talk about how we decided to choose this guy? <laughs> <laughs> we were drunkenly walking through Philadelphia the other night and ended up in this park, Cox Park, if you know it, <laughs> and there's a statue of Benjamin Franklin, and we just, we were just inspired. Yeah, we had a list of people, and we weren't fully decided, and then we saw that statue, and it was just fake. Yeah. Although, I will say, in Philadelphia, there are statues of Ben Franklin literally everywhere. I saw another one, like, two days later. Yeah, it wasn't that faithful, but we just, we just picked it, because he's, he's got a story, which shocks me, but he does. Um, so I also was inspired by the Office episode with Ben Franklin. I don't, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely watch it. Um. I don't remember. It's really good. So Michael hires a, Michael hires a well, he wants to hire a stripper for Phyllis's bachelorette party, okay. and Jim, to fuck with him, uh, instead hires a, uh, like, scholastic speaker, like like a historical reenactment, oh. like, person that's supposed to go to schools and teach people. Yeah. They picks Ben Franklin, and then Ben Franklin shows up to, like, try to talk to them about, like, history and what he did for the founding of the nation, and Michael's like, so you can take your clothes off or what? Like, what's <laughs> happening here? Um... And then at the end, the Ben Franklin dude hits on Pam at the end, and he's like, I'm sensing some electricity between us. <laughs> and then that, that causes Michael to say, Ben Franklin, you're really kind of a sleazebag. Uh-huh. And I feel like that's... He is. It's very relevant in this situation. Another disappointing man. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so most Americans learned about Ben Franklin as a smart, very moralistic man who was important in the founding of our country. And, of course, the kite and the key thing the whole electricity thing, which um, is pretty important. Um, but the versions of his autobiography and the Poor Richard's Almanac that we read in school and that, like, most people know, like, quotes from mm-hmm. uh, are actually, like, heavily censored. Um, oh. They're, like, way more racy um, than, than we learn about. Um, so we associate Benjamin Franklin with, like, his cute little, like, proverbs and aphorisms um, like he said, a penny saved is a penny earned, and uh, well done is better than well said. But um, in that same almanac, he also wrote, uh, marry your son when you will, but your daughter when you can. Uh, which, I guess, like, daughters are harder to marry off, so you want to do it for the first person that comes, but your son can marry someone that they love and, like, you, that you approve of. I don't know how to interpret that. 
yeah, I don't know. I had to read it a few times. Uh, and then this one. She that paints her face thinks of her tail. Pardon? She that paints oh, her like face her thinks of her tail. Like her ass, yeah. But even then, even though I understand that tail means ass, I could not understand it. So I asked my mom what it meant. Makeup? <laughs> it meant, like, it, she, according to my, my mom's an English teacher, so I feel like she <laughs> has the right to say that uh, she thought that it meant when a woman that puts on makeup is actually thinking about, like, getting fucked. Yeah. That's my interpretation. Weird way of saying that. It's just weird to hear, like, raunchy things and old-timey words. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't go through my yeah. head very well. Um, so even at the time, like, although we think of him now as this, like, moralistic man, which in a lot of ways he was, he was an abolitionist and shit like that, but, like, a, well, he wasn't perfect. Um, and even at the time, people knew him as being a womanizer, um, and he even wrote of himself in his autobiography, uh, the hard-to-be-governed go- passion of my youth had hurried me frequently into intrigues with low women that fell my way. Jesus. Yeah. A lot of this, I feel like a lot of the quotes I'm going to read are pretty hard to understand, so I'll try to read slowly. <laughs> his language is strange. Um, someone wrote a biography of him, Carl Van Doren, um, and this man wrote of Benjamin Franklin, in his morning litany, he could pray to be kept from lasciviousness? Less, I don't know. That's a word yeah, that's too big that's for me. Correct. Lasciviousness? Mm-hmm. Like debauchery? Um, but when night came, but when night came, lust might come with it. He went to women hungrily, secretly, and briefly. <laughs> briefly. <laughs> yeah. That's a good title for the episode. Hungrily, secretly, yeah. and briefly. Yeah. Um, so Benjamin Franklin was born in Boston. He was an apprentice for her brother at his printmaking shop and was writing articles for the local newspaper by the time he was 16. Um, he then moved, he got into a fight with his brother and then moved to Philadelphia when he was 17. Oh, and man. as soon as he got there, he was, he was just very well liked, even though he was only 17. And that he became close friends with the mayor of, uh, of Philadelphia at the time, Mayor Keith, I want to say. And, uh, the mayor liked him so much that he offered to set him up his own printing business in Philly. Um, which was, like, a smart move on the mayor's part, because Ben Franklin really did, like, help Philadelphia a lot. Like, Yeah, he, I mean... <laughs> he created the first fire station ever. Like, they, well, a lot of things that, like, we just didn't have because we weren't, like, well-developed yet. Um, yeah. So it was a good business move. Uh, so he was sent to London in 1725 to buy equipment for the shop, and he and a friend spent the whole year whoring around until Ben Franklin tried to sleep with the friend's mistress, who the friend who he came with, and so they stopped being friends over it, and then Franklin returned to Philly to look for a rich wife that would pay him a good dowry and start his printing business. Interesting. Yeah. So that's that's probably where we... Or what leads to you. It does. That's a good segue. It's so interesting because, like, I intentionally try not to look for that info, and it's... It's not there when I am talking about the wife. Like, you don't hear anything of the wife. Well, eh, I'll get there. But, okay. We'll start at the beginning. So, Benjamin Franklin only had one wife. Her name was Deborah Reed. Uh, I'm going to call her Debbie, because that's what Ben called her. I'm going to call him Ben. Okay? Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Very very informal. They were married for 44 years. Uh, but the last 17 years of their marriage were kept mostly apart. I think there was about mm-hmm. a year where they spent together. Uh, but pretty bleak. Um, Very long-distance relationship. Yeah, you could say. There was not a lot of info on her early life. Um, she was presumed to be born in Birmingham, England in 1708, but it's not exactly certain. Um 
but she ended up moving with her family to Philadelphia. Um, in 1723, when Ben was 17 and Debbie was 15, uh, he was walking by Debbie's family's house in Philadelphia. Um, he moved there from Boston recently. Um, she said she was intrigued by his most awkward, ridiculous appearance. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a direct quote. He was carrying three rolls of bread and eating one of them. Which is That's pretty hot. I kind of like that look, but, like, Ben McFarland wasn't hot, you know? It definitely was not. No. <laughs> That's not what anyone... Women loved him, but he wasn't I hot. Yeah, I... He was yeah. charming. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. There's more to life than being hot, but... Honestly, of all the men we've covered so far, were any of them hot? Mussolini. Yeah. Sorry. Is that, like, bad to say? Like, Mussolini was hot. Well, also, you have to think about it according to, like, beauty standards of the time, and Mussolini was probably, besides Picasso, was the closest to us in in time. Yeah. This is the 1700s. I'm sure they had different beauty standards. Sure. Sure. Everybody had scurvy, so they had (laughs) exceptions. No one went to the dentist. Yeah, that's true. Um, they started dating shortly after, um, Ben couldn't find any good housing near his work, so Debbie's dad let him rent a room in their home. Ben proposed to her in 1724, but Debbie's mom did not support the marriage because of Ben's upcoming trip to London, um, as well as his financial instability. So yet again, we have another case of, you know, She's, Debbie's a little bit more well-off. Ben wasn't at the time. He was just up and coming, and he was going to London soon, as you mentioned. He, he goes there in 1725. Very interesting that all of these famous men that we talk about yeah. always marry rich. Yep. That's the key to success. <laughs> it's, seriously, it's in Hamilton, too. Alexander yeah. Hamilton married richer yeah. than Ooh. me. You'd be a good... I think the world has probably heard enough of Hamilton. You guys... <laughs> you guys sick of it? Or... <laughs> we should capitalize on that. Come on. Um, so yeah, Ben went to London, and shortly after arriving, wrote a pretty rude letter to Debbie, ending their relationship. Um, also, he was there for a year and wrote her one letter the whole time. There's a lot I have to say about his letter writing. Jesus <laughs> yeah. Christ. Debbie had to go through some shit with him. Um, he was meeting somebody in London, but his buddy didn't come through with the financial support he was promised. Which because like, he slept with his mistress, just saying. I didn't That's know why. that That's part. why I That is such an yeah. amazing puzzle piece. Okay. Yeah, I love when we connect. Yeah. yeah. I wrote, haha, like, karma, bitch. Well, um, because he owed Ben Franklin money, and Ben Franklin tried to sleep with his girlfriend, so he was like, you know what, you're not getting your money. what you get. Also, like, how are you going to be mad if someone tries to sleep with your mistress? <laughs> like, you're not exactly... The most Come on, she was my whore, dude. Guy. <laughs> but good old Benny comes crawling back in 1727. He resumes his relationship with Debbie, pretty much just tries to pick up right where they left off. But they could not legally remarry yet because while Ben was in London, Debbie married a man named John Rogers. He was either a carpenter or a potter, officially. Nobody really knew, but he also did some skeevy stuff on the side. Um, they got married in 1725, so this was only a year after Ben sent that rude letter. This was in the year that he sent the letter. So this is while Ben was away in London. They got married. She's probably like, I'm giving up on him. Yeah. Yeah, basically. But also her, Debbie's mom was really proactive in getting her married to somebody. So. And Ben was not the right person, she thought. Right. So. Probably right. Mom's always right. Sweet talking Rogers is what they called him on the streets. Oh, God. He couldn't keep a job and was severely in debt. Great. 
Um, he also had another wife in England, so not a great guy. Debbie left him only after four months of marriage, and Rogers spent Debbie's dowry within that time. Um, so he became more in debt, and um, he eventually kidnapped a slave and disappeared. <laughs> Damn. There were reports that uh, John Rogers died in the British West Indies during a fight. It wasn't confirmed. And that's what made it hard for, well, what I say next. So Ben returns in 1727 and tries to get back together with Debbie, but she can't remarry because there's no proof that John Rogers died. That's interesting because I read that Rogers, I guess it's not that different from what you just said, but I read that Rogers ran away with her dowry, and the slave, to the West Indies, and that's where he died. Yeah, there's no confirmation that he died. Yeah, and in order to not, uh, like, commit bigamy, you have to prove that the other person died. And that was punishable. I wrote it down here. Um, If if Rogers potentially ever did return, she would be charged with bigamy and receive nine lashes and a life sentence. Which I just feel is, like... I feel like that's a weird one. I don't know. It just feels random. Like, nine times, and then... Spend the rest of your life in jail. I don't know, dude. This is, like, not not far enough away from Puritan times. It's really not. When... You can cut this out if you want. This might be extra information. But when uh, when Ben Franklin was born, he was born on a Sunday. And Mm -hmm. Puritans believed that if you were born on a Sunday, you would be cursed to be, like, a a terrible person your whole life. Well... Because they thought that being born on the Sabbath meant that you were conceived on the Sabbath and no one is supposed to fuck on the Sabbath. Yeah, that's not how science works. That's not how birth works at all. But just just saying, when, when Ben Franklin was born, no one was... No one thought he'd amount to anything. You're not allowed to have sex on Sunday? Nope. Not allowed to do anything. Okay. Rest. Sex is work. Oh, true, it's true, true. work repopulating. Yeah, God's we hate children. doing this. The interesting thing here was, even though Debbie was initially kind of the more well-off person in the relationship, Ben was becoming more well-off, and he was becoming more of an eligible bachelor, and Debbie was becoming less so because she just got robbed and left by John Rogers, um, and then, suddenly, Benjamin Franklin discovered that he had an illegitimate son. He took him in, um, and he knew that not many would approve, not many women would approve of that and would accept him as a husband, but he knew that Debbie would, because she was becoming less eligible. So that kind of is the explanation as to why they got back together. Interesting. Debbie was just desperate, <laughs> basically. Um, well, I might have something to do with... What are you going to say later about her her physical appearance? Oh, yeah. Um, so, Debbie and Ben got a common-law marriage in 1730. They never officially, like, married, but common-law. What does that mean? I think it's just if you live together for a certain amount of time, you're just legally married. Really? Yeah. Damn, I didn't know that. I don't know the technicalities of it, so don't quote me on that. But no, I don't take legal like... advice from a podcast, Okay. Of course. But I think that has something to do with, uh, I remember that being a thing with gay marriage. Yeah. They could get common law married, but they couldn't get, like, married married. Um, I think so. It depends on states, probably. Okay. So they had two children, um, Francis and Sally. Francis died at the age of four of smallpox. Um, his, his illness and death was considered a very strong factor in, in the dismantling of Ben and Debbie's marriage, actually. Which wasn't, I had to dig a little deeper for this, because it's just a theory, but um, it, there is some, some weight to that. They disagreed on vaccination, 
it, it came down to. Um, which which seemed odd because Benjamin Franklin was such like a forward thinking science thinking yeah. guy, but he was the one who was actually not certain about it. Hmm. Um, but anyway, so so it was Sally and the illegitimate illegitimate son William, um, and Debbie took care of of William as well. Uh, the mother's identity is unknown, but maybe you can clarify some of that later. I don't know. Um, not really. I don't really buy <laughs> much, honestly. Yeah, but we'll talk funny. about it. Um, so, Debbie was known for having a temper when it came to Ben, who could blame her, um, and Ben often wrote about it in his works, but she loved him a lot, and in 1770, when he was in London, she wrote to him saying, I just wanted to put this in here, because it's just so fucking weird, it's like another one of those, like, pathetic, like, why would you say that to somebody? (laughs) He said, she said, if you're having the gout, I wish I was near enough to rub it with a light hand. (laughs) That is so gross. <laughs> Just, like, really loved him. Like, clearly. Um, I am not trying to rub anyone's gout. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I've been in love I before, love but I don't I don't think mm, I could ever sorry. get to that point. I'm not rubbing your gout. Um, so, flashback a little bit. It um, seemed like Ben didn't trust Debbie as a mother in general and blamed a lot of um, blamed a lot of things on her, including Francis's death. Um, in 1742, he wrote, And yet I cannot forbear once more recommending her to you with a father's tenderest concern. So he, he wrote this piece about, like, how she was such a good woman and wife, but as a mother, eh, I wouldn't really recommend her to you. He wrote a letter to his son about that? He wrote, he just wrote a piece. He wrote a lot of, like, just public articles he published about, that for everyone yeah. to see oh he published a lot of shit about debbie that just wasn't kind at all he oh, so he would he would write it under the guise of like praising her but then he would also give her an under like a backhanded compliment it was not even a backhanded compliment that's just an insult straightforward yeah but he would like hide those in kind of nicer he's a great pieces. writer he's, he's a like, really good writer yeah he's a dick um like those two things kind of go together a little uh, bit. <laughs> um, this is kind of just my own like opinion, but it seemed like he just he presented himself very differently from how he actually was. Um, and I said the same thing for Karl Marx. Like it seemed like he was all talk, but when it came to his own life and family, he didn't act that way. Um, oh yeah, I have I have a lot to say about that. Right. Um. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about. Uh, Benjamin Franklin's success in the 1750s. So, Debbie was fearful of the ocean, so she never traveled with Ben. She always stayed home, which led to the last 17 years of their marriage being spent entirely apart. Um, She stayed in Philadelphia, and even though she was uneducated, ran her husband's businesses, maintained their home, was a mom, and she would hang out regularly at the Quaker meeting, which was just like a church meeting, basically. Um, but she did a lot, and and for somebody, a woman who was uneducated during this time was pretty awesome, especially that she ran Benjamin Franklin's business. Wait, was she educated or uneducated? Uneducated. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so Ben came back to Philly briefly in 1762 and tried again to get Debbie to come travel with him, so it seemed like he, like, wanted her to be there, but he was like, well, since she's not here, I'm just gonna fuck around. that's exactly what happened, yeah. Yeah. Um, but she refused again, because I guess she was just really scared. Um, and Ben and Debbie never saw each other again after that. Um, 
There were rumors of infidelity that circulated back to Philadelphia, but Ben denied all of them, and it seemed like Debbie was just trying to believe he was a good man. Classic. Um, in 1768, Debbie started really struggling with her health. Uh, she had a stroke that impaired her speech and memory. Ben did not return, even though he was receiving letters from her telling him about these health issues and that she, she needed somebody to take care of her. Um, she wrote Ben in 69, telling him her bad health and depression were the result of his long absences. Still no Ben. Um, he also was not, like, I'll just add, he, he wasn't doing anything super important at the time. Like, he, hmm. I mean, there was a time when when the revolution happened, happened that he, he moved to, obviously, he left London and moved to Paris, but he wasn't even in America for the most part during the revolution. In 1775, he moved just from London to Paris. So at this point, he's in London. The revolution hasn't even begun yet. Yeah. You know, the Declaration of Independence hasn't even been written. So the work that he's doing around the time that she's dying is not yeah, super important to the country. Yeah, it's not like he couldn't have gone home. Yeah, well, here's the kicker. Um, so she kept writing. They kept writing each other, but eventually she stopped. Um he kept teasing her over the years, pretty much, just saying, oh, I'm going to come back in three months. No, six months. No, it's going to be another year now. He just kept doing that shit oh over and over that again. so infuriating. Until she died in 1774. And Benjamin Franklin came home three months after that. Oh, my God. Dickhead. Can't believe that. So, I, yeah, that's bleak, but that's all I had to cover. I just have a couple quotes. Um... In, in the piece, Rules and Maxims for Promoting Matrimonial Happiness. Interesting. He published this after uh, he and Debbie began living together. He says, Avoid both before and after marriage all thoughts of managing your husband, he advised wives. Never endeavor to deceive or impose on his understanding. Never give him uneasiness, as some do very foolishly, to try his temper but treat him always beforehand with sincerity, afterwards with affection and respect. So there was that quote. I don't know if you have any reaction to that. Oh, that women should shut the fuck up and yeah. listen to their own husbands? Yeah. No, totally. Um, you shouldn't be quiet and listen to everything he says and never question any of his opinions. Honestly, it's still good advice if you never want to fight with your boyfriend. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Um, historians don't believe that Deborah was the mother of the illegitimate son. It's not certain who was, but he was received into the household as William Franklin. Depictions and descriptions of Deborah indicate that she was not an attractive woman. Indeed, Franklin affectionately likened her figure to that of a beer mug. What a fucking charmer. Some historians speculate that Franklin's motivation for marrying Deborah was to have a convenient way to appease his ravenous sexual appetite. This is a quote from Chicago Tribune. Yeah, Chicago Tribune. Uh, it is no use blinking the fact that Franklin's animal instincts and passions were strong and rank, that they led him to the commission of deplorable errata in his life, and that the taint of an irredeemable vulgarity is upon much of this man. Um, and this was from Albert Henry Smith, a Franklin biographer in 1907. And with that, I conclude... Another dickhead in the books. The Chicago Tribune article was written on the centennial of Benjamin Franklin's mm -hmm. birthday, and in Philly they were celebrating it. Mm -hmm. 
um, and someone, some very clever man, wrote an article, I should probably cite his name, um, <laughs> he wrote in the Chicago Tribune this whole article about, like, okay, Ben Franklin really wasn't the, like, moral dude that we thought he was, yeah. um, and I got a lot of my notes from, from him, um, yeah, I mean, I have, our stories are very linear this time. But, um, it rarely happens. It does way. rarely happen because usually they're so, Ben Franklin is strange because he is a known womanizer and a lot of the other people that we talk about were just not like, yeah. as it's not as documented. Although even in this case, there's, there's still not a lot of, not a lot of things I can talk about, but I guess we'll start by, honestly, Ben's, his own writing. Yeah. really gave away a lot of his yeah. <laughs> his faults. Um, okay, so he wrote, where there is marriage without love, there will be love without marriage. So marriage without love, if you have a marriage without love, then there will be cheating. There will be love without marriage. Oh, oh yeah, that's fair. But so You fucking love Debbie. He was like a sort of free love kind of guy, oh totally excusing God. cheating. It as was the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> no, stupid, I'm sorry. Well, he just excused cheating as a byproduct of an unhappy marriage, which, from what you said, kind of sounds like their marriage became quite unhappy, um, yeah. which is, yeah, stupid. Um, so, I'm going to talk to you about Barbara. Tell them Question what you mark, have. question mark, question mark. So, while Franklin was searching for a wife, and Deborah was dealing with her runaway husband, and it was that weird time yeah. period where, like... He came back from London, and they weren't really sure if they were going to marry, and she was still trying to figure out where her husband was, all these kinds of things. He had a number of affairs in this time, and in 1731, he got one of his mistresses pregnant. We say mistress because they just weren't married. Like, Ben Franklin wasn't married to this woman that he got pregnant. He wasn't married to Deborah at the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there was speculation at the time that the mother, the only information I could find about this is that there was speculation that the mother was a maid named Barbara who worked in Franklin's household. But the identity of the woman remained Franklin's darkest secret, and he married Deborah shortly after. Which makes me think that, like, is, didn't you kind of say that? That, like, he was just trying to have someone be the mother of his illegitimate child, because he didn't want to just, like... Not you know. really. The research I did made it seem like he found out later on in life that he had a son, and after he had married Debbie. Because hmm. he met her and when he was you know 17. they got married? Yeah, it was confusing because they started dating then, and then they he came back in 1727, and then got a common law marriage. Oh, oh, okay. In 1730. Okay. So this may have been. Oh, it's hard to tell because they never got married. They had a common law marriage. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's it's unclear whether or not he really cheated on Deborah or who this woman is. But all we know is kind of like what Sarah already said that. But it's pretty he, certain that this is the illegitimate. Son's William mother. Franklin, and we think the only information that even exists on it, like, Ben Franklin really kept this one under locks. He even lied to his own mother. Like, Ben Franklin lied to his mother about how old the kid was to make it seem like it was legitimate with Deborah. Um, Ooh, but no historian believes that he's Deborah's son. Like, that's, right. it's pretty yeah. well documented that he's not. We don't know who it is, but it's not Deborah's. So... I decided to do, since I couldn't find a lot of information about specific mistresses, there's only one specific mistress who I actually had like named and there was a lot of information about her and he and who he seemed to have a significant relationship with because he seemed to have a lot of relationships with women usually younger women that were maybe just intellectual like he would just talk to them or he would like hit on them but mm -hmm. they would never 
have sex or he would have sex with them once or something, but then like emotional he, cheating. Okay. Yes. A lot of emotional cheating. Um, but no one that was like truly like important enough to him. Like when we talk about like, you know, the women that influenced Picasso's art and yeah. like, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, great. So he just uses women as sex and, and like conversation, I guess. Um, so I decided to do a little bit about this piece that he wrote called advice to a young man on the choice of a mistress. <laughs> Homie, like, is this supposed to be a secret? Why are you... So, this this piece was circulated secretly for, like, several decades before, finally, Yale University published it in 1961. Mm-hmm. 1961. Oh, my God. Not bad. Not bad. Okay. Insane. Why, why would you write it at all? Okay. Well, he wrote it... It was legitimately a letter. Like, he wrote it as a letter to oh. a younger friend of his oh. about how to deal with the, his raging libido. That sucks. So, Franklin is giving this younger man advice about how to deal with how horny he is, I guess. Um, And he says, There is no medicine against the natural, the violent natural inclinations you mention. And he prescribes marriage as the best remedy. Okay, well, and then what? A single man has not nearly the value he would have in that state of union. So he's saying, like, a, a, a married man has much more value to the world than a single man. And that a man is an incomplete animal. He resembles the odd half of a pair of scissors. If you get a prudent, healthy wife, your industry and your profession, with her good economy, will be a fortune sufficient. Okay. It's very confusing. Basically, he's saying you should get a wife because it will make your whole life better. So his use of the word mistress is not as we use it. No, no, no. Uh, it, is how, it is how we use oh, it. Oh, we're getting Yeah. Okay. First, he says, get a wife. The first <laughs> thing I can tell you to do is get a wife. Then, of course, you're going to cheat on your wife. So here's oh. the people you should cheat on your wife with. Oh. So he, he, like, in the way that he phrases this whole thing, to me, it seems like he's a little bit better than other men of the time, because he does seem to treat women as, like, for companionship and not just ownership, which is an improvement for the time, but for obvious reasons, the rhetoric is still not great, because he still believes in owning women. He just thinks that, like, you shouldn't just, like, own her and keep her there for reproducing and sex, but you should also have conversations with her. I don't know. It's, whatever. Um, you could, you know, you can talk to her too. Oh, thanks, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I, that's why women went crazy over him because he actually yeah, said things to them. Yeah. Um, but then he spends the rest of the letter, like the this is like the first paragraph. He spends the rest of the letter talking about what the young man should do if he does not choose matrimony, or if he just persists in thinking that a commerce with the sex is inevitable. <laughs> Sarah, you look like that meme right now with the woman with all the math and the... I'm a lot of math in my head right now. I'm yeah. not good at it. Um so his he goes on and then the main the main point of the letter is that his main advice is to make your mistresses older women because when women cease to be handsome, they study to be good. Honestly? <laughs> People still say that shit today. Yeah. So, this is a pretty long quote, yeah. but I feel like it's it's pretty good. In all your amours, you should prefer old women to young ones, <laughs> says Franklin. Older women make better lovers, he asserts, because they are more helpful when you are sick. Gotta, they gotta rub that gout for you. Debbie wanted to rub your gout, Ben, and you didn't appreciate that. <laughs> because there is no hazard of children. Oh. Hazard, children are hazard. God. Because they are more prudent and discreet in conducting an intrigue. <laughs> 
because they will prevent a young man from ruining his health and fortune among mercenary prostitutes. And Ben would know about that because he had syphilis. Certainly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and because it is impossible to tell a young woman from an old woman in the dark. This is this is the best quote. Okay. This, it's so weird to hear this kind of language talking about fucking. The pleasure of corporal enjoyment with an old woman is at least equal and frequently superior, every knack being by practice capable of improvement. So basically saying as women age, they get better at sex. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. I just, like, what, yeah. I mean, we know what's wrong with what he's saying, Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> I hope so. Please just turn this off if you don't get it. Um, and and this is the, the, his final, he makes, like, a list of reasons why older women are better, basically. Um, and lastly, he says, like, in, in an affair with an older woman, the sin is less. The debauching, debauching, debauching? I don't know what the fuck you're saying. The debauching? The, the like, ruining of a virgin may oh. be her ruin and make her for life unhappy. So he's saying it's better to sleep with older women because if you are using a younger woman as your mistress and you're not trying to make her her, her your wife and you take her virginity, that's going to fuck her up. And you're going to have, like, a sin on your conscience. Make a pretty woman. I looked it up and I don't think I can put songs in. Oh, man. Okay, well. I don't want to get copyright, you know? We're going to go big time one day, so we got we to gotta stay cool. I'll buy it. Can we buy that? <laughs> um, so my theory is that his son, William's mother, must have been a virgin. And this is just my... I'm just speculating here. Oh, okay. I think that maybe she was a young girl and she may, maybe was a virgin. And it must have really weighed heavily on him to do that yeah. to her without being married to her. Maybe. Because he also writes that the compunction, which, like, that is not a word we use anymore. What the fuck what does, does that mean? mean? The... I don't know. I didn't really look it up. But I, I feel like you can understand from the context. <laughs> okay, keep going. I went to college. I don't need to look these up. I got a degree. <laughs> I'm done. Look this shit up. <laughs> Rest of my life. He writes that the compunction is less with an older woman. The having, I think, like, the, the guilt is, oh. is less. Because the having made a younger girl miserable may give you frequent bitter reflections, none of which can attend the making an old woman happy. So if you're sleeping with a younger woman and she's her mistress, she's not important to you, you'll make the young girl miserable, and that will make you feel bad. It will give you frequent bitter reflections. I, he sucked, but I at least can give him something for not preying on younger women mm. for sex. Like, oh, well, we'll, we'll oh, get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> I always speak to Anytime you try to say something positive about I anyone. Like, yeah. I was like, well, at least. And you're like, no. <laughs> no. Um, and lastly, the last reason is that they are so grateful. Older women, they're so grateful when you decide to <sighs> stroke that ego. Treat them with your awkward frame or whatever Deborah said about it. Yeah. <laughs> So, Ben Franklin did not follow his own advice very often. Um, he moved to London, as we said, and during that time, I'm just gonna just gonna throw a few Ben Franklinisms at you. A penny saved is a penny earned. While he was in London, he spent all his money on clothes, women, and drinking. <laughs> early to bed, early to rise makes a healthy man or something like that. I don't know how the health finishes, but he says early to bed, early to rise, and he stayed up late drinking every night. And he also, to what we just talked about, his advice to a young man on choosing a mistress, you should definitely pick an old lady, whatever, he said. He definitely was only fucking young women at the time. It's, like, well documented. These men, that's what I'm saying. These men are so hypocritical, And, like, they just want to present this idea of being moral and, and being these legends. Yeah. But they're dicks, and they're living the complete opposite lives. 
that they say they they promote. You know what I think it is, though? I think it's, at least with Ben Franklin, he is slightly better than the men of his time. And you'll see that in that he was an, an abolitionist and yeah. in, in the fact that he actually talked to women. Sure. And the reason why women liked, them, liked him so much is because they listened, he listened yeah. to them talk. Yeah. Which is, like, you know, we're in, like, in a time where people are yeah. treating women as, like, property. So, which he still did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is just, it's just very well documented because this, uh, this painter from, this famous painter from Philadelphia, whose name I cannot remember right now, he visited London. He was like, oh, I'll go see Ben Franklin. Like, while I'm here, we all know, like, he's in London. And he goes into Ben Franklin's house, and the door's unlocked. He knocks, but no one answers. The door's unlocked. He walks in. He sees, he walks upstairs to Ben's bedroom, and he sees, through the crack of the door, Ben with a young lass on his lap. Like, this is his quote, young lass sitting on his lap. And they're both naked, and he's fondling her, and they're kissing. And so this artist goes downstairs and draws a quick sketch of what he just saw. And then he, uh... Yeah, next time I walk in with someone fucking, I'm going to sit down and sketch it. That would be the modern day, like, let me stop and think of this real quick. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. Um, (laughs) That's absurd. Yep. Uh, Also in London, he was a frequent goer of, now this blew my fucking mind. This was like, I just, I can't believe that I learned about this. I'm trying to let go. It's called the Hellfire Club (laughs) in London. It was like a sex club in the mid-1700s. Oh, Debbie. It's so insane. It, I, I like. I, I can't believe this existed at this time, though. Oh. So it was. It was a place yeah. where uh, people of high moral stature could go to participate in highly immoral activities. Oh, um, so orgies and other like debaucherous activities would take place. Um, and Ben Franklin wasn't a member, but he frequented the place as a guest. The members were devoted to sexual excesses of all kinds and obscene parodies of religious rites. So it was very like anti-religion and oh. very like. Pro Meanwhile, sex. your wife is running your businesses at home and going to Quaker meetings every evening. I know. Um, and Franklin's membership couldn't be confirmed, but several biographers point out that Franklin had close associations with several of the club's more libertine members, including the club's founder, Francis Dashwood, who, if anyone ever wants to Google him, just to hear about some crazy, like, seven, 18th century, 18th century uh, sex parties. It's a very interesting read. Um, so this respectable man who was friends with Ben Franklin at the time and, like, was in this whole society with all of them, he wrote to Deborah during this time, and he said, I never saw a man who was, in every respect, so perfectly agreeable to me. Now, madam, as I know the ladies here consider him in exactly the same light as I do, upon my word, I think I should come over with all convenient speed to look after your interest. Not that, that, but I think of him as faithful as any man breathing, but who knows what repeated and strong temptation may in time, and while he is not so... And while he is at so great of a distance of you, accomplish. So basically, he's saying like, "There's, you're. I'm not saying your husband's a bad dude. Not a bad dude. Totally have not seen him fuck any bitches. But orgy. yeah, totally have not seen him like at the Hellfire Club. So drunk with his underwear like on his head and you know fucking some Aww, some, some young girl. For her. But yeah, he like he just. I don't know. He he was like Honestly, just warning good. her. He didn't have to do that. Yeah. Well, yeah. In his, how was that in his interest at all? It wasn't. He was just a respectable, like, man who wow. was friends with them at the time. Like, he just... Can we talk about him? I need to feel lighter. He probably was not at the Hellfire Club with them. He probably just, like, was friends with Ben Franklin. Because yeah. Ben Franklin wasn't a full-on member of this club. He just... He had a friend group who was yeah. into it. And, like, he... I'm sure he knew a lot of people in sure. town at the time. And, and this person just decided to 
send Deborah a letter and say, hey, listen, like, you should just come because I see him being tempted a lot. And I don't think he's going to do it. And I'm sure Ben Franklin also had a facade to a lot of people that he was this moral man. And then he yeah. probably just had a group of friends who, like, and this is all speculation, but just just my thoughts. And But Deborah was too scared of the ocean. She was like, no, nah, fuck that. And she also just didn't want to believe it, I guess. Yeah. From from what I've read about her, she just was, like, in denial. Yeah. Um. So during this period, he's in... He's in uh, London until 74, 75, and then he goes from London to Paris. Okay. Um, he, just he because of the revolution. He home quickly, remember? He to go home after Deborah died, and yeah. then he came, when he went, he went immediately back to Europe, but he went to Paris this time, obviously. Like, you're not going to go to London during the American Revolution. Sure. Um, so during this time period, the rest of the time in London, and quick trip trip home and then back to Paris or back to Europe to Paris um during this time there was just like a string of women and he didn't sleep with all of them someone wrote women young and old uh this is a woman named Claude Ann Lopez also by the way she wrote this in 1966 uh women young and old loved him because he took a keen interest in them not merely as objects of desire but as people with a different outlook with their own contribution to make he listened to them he was not afraid of them obvious principles of courts courtmanship too often lost sight of many of his best pages literary pieces or private correspondences were inspired by women that franklin at age of at the age of 70 was able to master those rules and play the game with elegance wit and the detachment it required is proof of his agile mind and extraordinary adaptability so i don't know i just liked what she said because i was like this women liked him so much because he was doing something that other men at the time just weren't doing he was he saw them as like Basically, he saw them as, like, an untapped, like, intellectual resource. It's, but that's my, yeah. That's where I'm like, eh, yeah, but he's still using them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, he's not doing yeah. it out of the sake of just enjoying company with people. He was doing it to better Oh, himself. for sure, yeah. And that's one of the things that he writes in the advice to a young man on choosing a mistress. Like, he says, like, you should choose older women because they make better conversation. Sure, yeah. Um, totally yeah. So finally we get to, like the the one the one that got away if you will for oh. Ben Franklin this was like of all of the women that he and I think that the reason why I had such a problem with picking women to write about is not because for lack of women there were so many women that he slept with mm-hmm. but none of them seemed as important to him as this one yeah so her name is I'll try my French here I don't know how how good this is gonna be but <laughs> her her like given name is Anne Catherine de Lagnonville um, but she's and when people write about her, she's called a Madame Helvetius. Helvetius, and Helvetius is a famous French philosopher, um, and he owned a salon in Paris that featured the greatest figures of the Enlightenment. Um, and when he died, she took over the. Well, actually, by the time he died, the couple had a massive like a lot of money they were very rich and she continued to run the salon even after he died for over five decades um and some of the guests at her salon there was a lot of people there were a lot of politicians writers and artists i'm not smart enough to know who a lot of them were but the famous people were napoleon bonaparte uh thomas jefferson franklin obviously yeah. and uh tizero ben franklin met her and he this was after his wife died obviously he dated around like met a lot of people and like also, other other sources that I read said that French women adored Franklin because they viewed him as an American symbol. Um, but the one that he liked the most out of all of the women was this Madame Alotius. And 
she was 60 when she met him and he was 72. So he's finally following his own advice of like being with an older woman. Someone who's at least... He was 60 and yeah. he was 72. Mm-hmm. He's still preying on somebody younger than him. <laughs> 12 years is nothing when you're 60 and 70 though. I think that's a little, like yes. a, it's the first person he's been I'm with who's age appropriate since Deborah. Sure. Um, well, I think, but I think the point is that when he was 72, he could have totally been with a 23 year old if he wanted to. Like, I think that's how famous he was in, in France. Like, you figure we... How old was Ben Franklin when he was 72? That's a, what? How old was... How, sorry, what year was it when <laughs> Ben was Franklin like, was 72? I'm not sure. 74? <laughs> uh, yeah. We okay. have two, like, micro I'm <laughs> like, how old is Ben Franklin? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. The revolution is, is coming up in the U.S. and Ben Franklin is like this big figure and he's foreign and he is a part of this movement that is doing this thing that, that French people want yeah. and that they, you know, they supported us during the war and like, I think that he was just a very sure. in vogue kind of yeah. personality at this point in Europe and so that made a lot of French women fall all over him yeah. and the idea of being American was Still in Europe, people idealize the idea of being American, and at this time it was a very new thing, so I think it was just yeah. very stylish. Um, like, his whole persona was so stylish that it just canceled out how yeah. ugly and old he was, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, he met her and, and found something in her in which he lacked in his, in his previous wife, in Deborah. And he, he just, he was, felt so in love with her, and he proposed to her so many times, and she rejected him every time. Um, and he finally wrote this essay called... Elysian Fields. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you say it. Elysian? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and uh, Elysian Fields is an allusion to the Greek mythical land that was a final resting place for virtuous souls. Mm-hmm. So he writes this letter to her and it basically like when Benjamin Franklin arrives at the Elysian Fields because he's like, I don't know, dying or something or it's a resting, final resting place and he has a dream that he's dying and he's in this field where all the virtuous people go when they're about to die. And he is asked if he wants to meet anyone in particular, and he is asked to choose between meeting Socrates or Aletheus, who is this woman that he likes. It's her late husband. And he asks to to talk to him, and he... Because, you know, he's a famous philosopher. He talks to him about philosophical things, like what he thinks about the current state of politics in France, and... Mm. um, Asks for his views on it, and then he finally brings up his relationship with Madame Abetius, and he asks him. He asks him why she won't marry him, and he replies by saying that she's still in love with him. With, oh, yeah. Uh, even though he's passed, and she and she doesn't want to remarry, she's she's still in love with him, and that's why. Um, and, and then Abetius goes on to say that he himself has remarried, and his new wife turns out to be Franklin's late wife, Deborah. So, like, in heaven, he's married Deborah. And then Franklin gets so mad, and he goes to Deborah, and he asks her, how dare you, like, be disloyal to me (laughs) and marry someone else in death. And Deborah replies coldly and says she remained loyal enough to him for 50 years and now has found a love with Elvetius that will last for an eternity. And Franklin is so upset after hearing this that he decides to wake up and re-enter the real world. And this letter was meant to persuade Madame Aventius to marry him, but the letter was perceived, she thought it was just like a funny story. Yeah, what a baby. I would laugh at his face. I'm like, you wrote this about your sad, poor life, and that you're, you're having a conversation with my ex-husband. My late husband? Yeah. 
And how they're fucking in heaven, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you made up this whole story about how, like, my oh, late my husband life. is fucking your wife, who didn't even speak the same language as each other, but, like, never met, but okay. Speak the language of love, baby. Yeah, it, it's, it's insane. Um, what a... What a fucking baby. Yeah. I just think it's so funny that she just laughed at him. Like... I can't believe he wrote a whole fake yeah. story. Yeah. And I think it's just the the most... <laughs> the poetic justice of Ben Franklin finally finding a woman that he feels to be on his level philosophically because yeah. she owns the salon and she was married to this philosopher yeah. for such a long time and they, you know, she's all around all these smart people all the time and she's a very well-educated woman yeah. and he finally finds a woman that he considers smart enough for him and she just laughs on his face and is like, no, fuck you, I'm not married. He should have just stuck with women that were... Younger and stupider than him, so he could keep manipulating them. Or, you know, them. his wife. Oh, yeah. Could have stuck with her. Yeah. Nah. She seemed to be, that, for that some reason, in love with him. of a woman. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, because he was so hot. I just, I'd like you to, okay, I guess we'll close this with a, a meme that just I found. Roast? Oh, okay. Jesus. My chamber is nearby. Care to join me in the pursuit of happiness? Oh. <laughs> Gross. Um, I feel like we have a lot of good pictures posted. It's great. For this one. It's great. Yeah, you this do. one is awesome. We can post a couple. Yeah. We have a few of us with Benjamin Franklin himself. Oh, yes, yes. I don't know if that statue was true to size, but he was short. Everyone was short. I know. It was the 1700s. I just like the fact that I could, like, kick his ass. Definitely. He was old as fuck. You could definitely kick his ass. Not his entire life. At one point, he was a young man. Mm, but he had an awkward gait about him or whatever she said. You could probably still beat him up. <laughs> Most awkward, ridiculous appearance. I don't even think he had a weird gait. I think he just looked fucking weird. Because, I mean, look at this guy. I wish we could have pictures of people yeah, from these times. Yeah, it makes it's me really so annoying. frustrated. But, I mean, Because like, painters don't capture, like, if you're a rich person, they're I mean, going to capture it in a different way. How can you capture that? Wrong. I'm telling you, I think that even the paintings were better than how he looked in real life. So you should look at any painting that you yeah. see of an old, oh, yeah. historical person, you should assume them to be at least five times uglier Instagram than they look in the painting. reality, baby. Yeah, exactly. He had like a six head and a beer gut and a stupid little smile. What the fuck is that? Also, like every picture I've ever seen, did he only have paintings done of him when he's old? Because every picture yeah. I've ever seen of him, he has no well, hair on the top of his head, but like, what do you call that? When you have hair on the bottom and it like it grows real long, but you have none on the top of your head. I don't know. Um, but I mean, that's when he was famous. I'm sure he couldn't have afforded portraits when he was just up and coming, you know. Anyway, well, that's well, Benjamin Franklin for you, one of our yeah. founding fucking fathers. I hope I hope this podcast serves to remind people everywhere that <laughs> no matter when, no matter who, men will be pretentious. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's all we have to say. Um, Thanks for listening. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so awkward now. Bye. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>